Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Good morning, Hope Elam. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. Amen? That's some good news. That's some good news. Uh, I don't know about you, but singing that song, uh, singing that good news gets me excited for Easter. Anybody excited for Easter? Oh, man, we are like one month away. Here's the deal. As followers of Jesus... We don't have to wait for April 9th because Jesus is alive and we can walk in that victory today. Amen. Every single day is Easter for those that are in Christ. Amen. Amen. It is so good to be with you here today. Again, I want to welcome those in our online family as well. Before we uh, get into things uh, today, I want to just recap where we've been last week. We kicked off, if you're, if you're new or if you need a reminder, our series in the Gospel of Luke called Luke for Lent. And uh, one of our awesome uh, leaders, Ryan Tunick, brought the word last week. Can you give God some praise for Ryan? Absolutely. And here's the thing. We've got a great team uh, of teachers here at Hope Elam. This church is not built on a personality or pastors or leaders. It's the body of Christ all working together. We could not be who we are unless you are who you are. Amen? And every, every, but every part of the body has those gifts. And I'm so thankful for Ryan. I'm so thankful for our team, our staff, all the awesome servant leaders around here as a church as well. We're going to get to Luke. I promise you we will get to Luke. It's going to be a little while. You might want to keep your, your pinky finger in there, but we're going to dive around a little bit. I want to, I want to ask you a question this morning uh, as we get started. Uh, balcony, I'm looking at you. How are my balcony folks this morning? You good? They're still working on their coffee up there. How about the lower level? We ready to go today? Okay. All right. All right. Online folks? Yeah. They're with us in spirit, right? Here's my question for you as we start this morning. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. What are you most passionate about? Like what, what, what do you love? What, what, what do you uh, admire? What gets your time and your focus and your energy and your affection? What are the, the things, the people, the habits, the hobbies, the objects? What, what are you most passionate about. Now I'm going to just for a moment, I know this sounds weird, I'm just going to set Jesus right here for a second. We're going to talk about Jesus the whole rest of the sermon, okay? But to make the point, and this might be a little dangerous, I think, I think the 9 o'clock crowd can handle it. You're, you're a little bit more, uh, I don't know, the 11 o'clock crowd gets a little rowdy, but I think you can handle it uh, here. I trust you, okay? Just want you to yell it out, okay? One at a time, please be cordial. What are you passionate about? What do you love? What are you, some things, some hobbies, some activities, what do you love? Just yell it out. Music, outside, fishing, family, everybody, family, uh, what else? Travel, recovery, good, what else? 
Golf. Oh, man. All right. We keep going on and on and on. So some sports, some activities, some hobbies. Obviously, your friends, your family, you're passionate about all these things. Let me frame it a little bit different way. Good job being on your best behavior, by the way. I was worried about that. Um, If somebody were to follow you around for an entire month and observe your real life, not, not the one you put on Instagram, like your real life, like what's really going on, what would they say you are most passionate about? Not just what you say, but actually how you live. What gets your time and your focus and your energy? And the reason I'm asking you this question is that our passions will end up determining the course of our lives. Amen? What we are passionate about, what we spend our time and our energy and, 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 and who we spend our time with and what we spend our money on and what we worship will determine the impact that our lives have, will determine the course of our lives. What will be the passion of your life? All those other things are well and good, <laughs> but what will be the driving force and the driving passion of your life? Life. God's word is not silent on this. In fact, God's word is very, very clear on this in multiple ways. I want to showcase one for us this morning. This is from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. Now, there's certain verses in scripture that you cannot read like you just got up and you drug yourself to church. You got to read it like you're on three cups of coffee and you are ready to go and the Holy Spirit is present in this place and we are moving. So let's read this together. Isaiah 26, verse 8. Yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you, for your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. So the prophet Isaiah is speaking this to God's people that are in exile, and he's kind of speaking this prophetic word into the future about what what their posture of their hearts could look like, how they see the world, what they're going to be passionate about, like what their heart beats for. And we, and we read this, of all the things that we could be passionate about, and we could go around the room and you could yell out all these different things, and those are well and good. But above and beyond anything else, we wait for you for what? Your name and your renown. That above anything and anyone else, who gets the glory of our li- in our lives? Who's on the throne of our heart? It's Jesus. It's his name and it's his renown. This is what Isaiah is showing us. God's heart for all of us. It's the name of Jesus. And get this, and I just kind of sit on this for a second. Because God loves you, he is jealous for your allegiance. And I don't mean jealous in a fleshly human way, like I'm jealous about them or jealous about that. Like jealous in a good way, like God wants the glory for himself. Why is that? Is God like self-centered or something? Yes, And if he wasn't, he wouldn't be God. Amen? He knows that no one else and nothing else can satisfy us. So if you love somebody, you are going to want the very best for them. So he wants the driving passion, the passion of our lives to be his name and his renown because he knows that nothing else will fill us up. And it's true whether for us as individuals today, but also for us as a church. You know, if you're new to the church, I just ran into six or seven people just walking around the room that this is your first time here today. Can we give God praise for those that are joining us for the first time? Yeah. We, we love new people at Hope Elam. And for those of you that have been here for a while, all of us need a reminder. 
So we're all in the same boat this morning. We all need a reminder. But a lot of the questions that we get asked as a newer church, a couple years old, is like, what are you guys all about? In other words, what is the driving focus and passion behind Hope Elam? Right? What are you guys about? Some of you are new and you're kicking the tires. Hope we're meeting your expectations so far. Just hang with us. Some of you have been here for a while and it's easy to get lost and distracted. And some people come and they're like, whoa, man, this worship is, is awesome. They, that must be the passion. The driving passion is, is worship and music. And, and that's great. And all they're, they're serving all these meals, a thousand meals a week to the community. And that's great. So they must be all the driving passion of this church is, is, is serving those in need and feeding the hungry and clothing the naked, all of that. Oh, yeah, this church is coming together black and brown and white. And so it must be racial unity. It must be justice. That must be the driving focus and passion of this church. Oh, they're working with those that are struggling with various addictions and, and those in recovery, and so that's, that must be it. And don't get me wrong, all of those things are well and good. But don't miss what's behind it all. We don't worship a cause. We worship him. Amen? Amen? Because it's... It's his name because it's his name and his renown above all else that fuels everything that we do. And because we're passionate about God and his word, because of that, we worship him and we take that seriously. Because it's his name and his renown, we serve the poor. Because it's his name and his renown, we reach out to the broken and the hurting and the lost and clothe the naked and feed the hungry and work with those in recovery and addiction and break down racial lines. Why? Because we don't worship a cause. We worship the God who gives us this passion. Amen? That's what we're about as a church. So don't miss that. It's his name and it's his renown. And so when you start to love somebody, you love what they love. You love what they love. And what I want to do is I want to couple Isaiah 26.8, this passion for Jesus' name, with another passage. This is Psalm 138, verse 2. Psalm 138, verse 2, and then we're going to put them together again, nice and loud. Here we go. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Just stop there. Look, look at this for a second. I've exalted above all things what? Your name and your word. In other words, you cannot be passionate about the name of Jesus and not be passionate about his word. They go together. There is no version of Christianity where you can be lukewarm about the word of God, the written word of God, and the spoken divine revelation, the word of God as well. They go together. They go together. This is true for every single one of us. And this is why our focus this year as a church, this year of the Bible, the whole Holy Bible in a year. And if you've been going along with us, great. If you're just getting started, today is the best day to start. We're preaching through it. We're teaching through it. Okay? This is not just something that we're going to be passionate about for 2023 and say, that was fun. Right? We are going to be focused and driven and passionate about the Word of God this year and next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, and 50 years from now, that is going to be the driving focus and passion of this church. Amen? That's what we're about. It's not a seasonal thing. And so today I want to, we're going to go a little different way. I promise you we'll get to Luke. It's going to be at the end, but I just felt like God say, go a different direction today. 
So I threw away my sermon, I threw away my notes, and we're going to go a little bit different direction today. And I want to challenge all of us, and I want to challenge myself. How do we develop, stoke the flame, keep the passion alive for the name, and most importantly, the word of God? How do we develop a passion for the word of God above all else? And believe it or not, there was a time, among many times, but one time I want to focus on today where God's people were passionate about the word of God. Yes, the written word of God above all else. If you have your Bibles, we're actually going to start in the book of Nehemiah. So if you got your Bibles or your Bible app, you might need to Google that one, uh, where that's at. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Uh, And Just give give a holler, any Nehemiah fans out there? Yeah, all three of you. All right, I love it. What up, Nehemiah? All right, we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. To just give some context, it's exactly the context you find yourself in today. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of people gathered around for a worship service. Okay? And they are about ready to read God's word in those days. It was the book of the law. There's hundreds of people gathered and watch what happens. Starting in verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, the word at the time, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and women and all those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive, everybody say attentive, attentive to the book of the law. Okay, I want you to show you a couple things. From early morning until midday, okay, this is going to be like a minimum five to six hours, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying, but I'm saying, some of you get a little antsy when we preach over an hour in the sermon, okay? In the service, oh, it's 10, 15, we got to get out of here. Five to six hours, and I want you to notice something. All Ezra did was open up the word and read it. And everyone's ears were focused and attentive. No scrolling through Facebook, no tweeting out, no checking your Instagram. Focused, attentive to the word of God. And not just listening, but watch what happens next. Verse 4. The scribe Ezra stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the purpose, and then it lists a bunch of guys' names that we don't know how to pronounce, so we'll go to verse 5. If you want to read it, it's fine. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, now watch, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. All the people answered, Amen! And amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. There is no mention of music in this passage. Skip ahead about 2,500 years and here we are today. And all of these actions and these characteristics we would normally ascribe to the music or singing portion of worship that we just experienced, right? What would it look like if we ascribed that value and that worth and that passion to the word of God. Not just to the worship, but to the word of God. That we, that 
what would it look like if Kathy gets up here, whoever's reading scripture this morning, and she says, good morning, Hope Elam, today's reading, and just spontaneous applause. Like, she can't even get it out, but we are so excited for the word of God that we've ascribed to it such value and worth that she can't even say today's reading is from Luke 6 because everybody's standing on their feet and clapping and they're worshiping and they're so excited for the word of God. They are passionate about the word of God. That's what's happening in this passage. They're falling on their faces. They're clapping. They're shaking their tambourines. They're falling down in worship. What would it look like if we ascribe that value and worth to God's word like that? And most importantly, what if those actions and that passion were inside of your heart every single time that you open the Bible? If we get to the end of this year and you have all of your check marks on your daily Bible readings bookmark, I would say, praise God, that's awesome. But what I really want to challenge us with as a church this morning, do we have a passion to honor and lift up the word of God above all else? Above all else. How do we do that? I want to share with you three ideas today. Number one, we remember what the Bible truly is. You see, sometimes I think a lot of us don't develop this passion where we're like, that's great for the Nehemiah folks and your boy Ezra and all that. That's awesome. But that's not me. Like, I can't stay awake. I have a hard time for all of those things. I think sometimes what we do is we don't develop a passion for the word of God because we keep it at a distance. We just assume that from my history and experience, the Bible's boring. It's irrelevant. Maybe you've had a bad experience with it. You grew up in a church where the, the pastor, the priest stood up front and they're the ones with the Bible. They're the ones that have memorized scripture. They're the ones that have meditated on it day and night. They're the ones that rehearsed their sermon. They're the ones that have God's word planted in their heart. Like that's not me, that's them. Others of you had a bad experience with the church and the Bible has been used to guilt you and shame you, the Bible is used as a weapon. The Bible is used to divide people, not bring people together. And you've been really hurt by the way that God's people have used the word. And if that's the case, I am so sorry. That is never meant to be the case. And yet, it does not change what's true. What would it look like if we let God's word come to us on its own terms and not what we think it is or what our experience is. And so if you go to the next slide, I just want to challenge us this morning what, what the Bible is not and then what the Bible is, okay? Just to clarify, guarantee there are a dozen or more different church backgrounds and denominations sitting in this room and worshiping with us online right now. And all of us come from a different vantage point and different experiences. What it, the Bible is not, it is not primarily a history or science book. Those of you that want it to be, you're going to be sorely disappointed, it's never going to be. If you want to know when the dinosaurs were here, it's not going to help you a lot, okay? That is not the primary goal of the Bible. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than a checklist or a duty. And yet some of you treat it like that. I, I did it for today. I did my laundry. I emptied the dishwasher. I read my... That's great. God wants your heart. He wants all of you. It is not a way to earn God's love or his approval or anyone else's love or approval. It is not a means of boasting to say, I've memorized this much or I read this much or I can chapter and verse you and, I, and in conversation I know more scripture and I've memorized more scripture than you. That's great. That's awesome. 
That's between you and God. That is not to use, again, as a weapon to tear people apart, to guilt people, to shame people. What is the Bible? And I just want to challenge you for a second. I'm not just going to read through this list. I want you to just be still for a moment. And I want you to hear these words as if you were hearing them for the first time. That someone was describing to you a source of love and wisdom and beauty. And regardless of what, where you're at in your life right now, this is available to you. What, what, what is the Bible? It is the breath of God. All scripture is God breathe. God breathing into your soul. What is the Bible, Psalm 119? It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is the Bible, Isaiah 55? It says it's like a refreshing rain or snow that comes down and waters the earth. It waters the soil of our hearts and it will not return void. What is the Bible? It is like a double-edged sword that penetrates soul and spirit and cuts to the heart and speaks to us exactly what we need. What is the Bible? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God is that the power that no matter where you're at today and what doubts and fears you have, it is the power to create faith. What is the Bible? It is the bread of life. We do not live by bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can be satisfied. Psalm 119, God's word is like great riches. That, is, that, that you would guard and treasure with your life. What is all of this? And this, is, this is available to all of us. What is this saying? Is that the word is exalted above all things because God's word is better than all things. Amen? It is better. It is better. It is better than all things. And I don't know what story you came in here with this morning. I don't know what you're searching for in your life. But God's word is better. Amen? Amen. God's word is better than anything that you might be searching for, that you're longing for. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I get it, Pastor John, and that's great. But that hasn't been my experience. Here's what I found. If you go back one slide to that list. Until you feel so overwhelmed and you feel like you're dying. You won't be desperate for the breath of God to breathe life into your soul. Until you hit rock bottom and you reach that point that you are so lost and confused and your life is directionless, you will not be desperate for a lamp and a light to guide your way. Until you reach that point and you hit rock bottom and you realize that I, that I, can't, I can't understand my heart, that I need wisdom and guidance, you won't need the sword of the Spirit to cut between soul and spirit, before you are desperate, some of you are struggling with doubt and fear. You're struggling with your faith today until you hit rock bottom and you are desperate for the power of God's word to say, I can't believe Jesus, like the disciples, help my lack of faith. We will not be desperate for the word of God until we've tasted everything that the world has to offer and it does not satisfy and it does not fill you up. You will not be desperate for the bread of life, for the word of God. And until you've experienced everything that the world has to offer to say, this will be enough. This will get you to the top. You will not be desperate and understand the riches of God's word. Amen? The word of God is exalted above all things because it is better than all things. This is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Watch how the prophet Jeremiah speaks of the word of God. 
He says this, your words were found and I ate them. Turn to your neighbor and say, what? It's an illustration, not literal. Okay, all right. And your words became to me, get this, a joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Everybody say delight. The joy and delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O God, O Lord, O God of hosts. Jeremiah says, the words were so good that I ate them, that I devoured them, that I consumed them. It was the joy. When's the last time that you used the word joy and delight to describe your relationship with the Bible? Just think about that. It is the joy and the delight of whose heart? My heart. Not my parents' hearts, not my friends' hearts, but my heart. And I want to challenge you this morning. When is it going to stop being your grandparents' faith? Or your parents' faith? Or your friends' faith? Or your neighbor's faith? Or the faith of that person that you went to a Christian concert with? Or a mission trip and you had a mountaintop experience? When's the last time it's going to stop being anybody else's faith? But it's going to be, when are you going to take ownership of it and develop this relationship with God? Amen? The joy and the delight of your heart. Some of you are wondering why you're so starved and dissatisfied in your walk with God or in life in general. It's because God has prepared this feast of God's word. This is why Jeremiah is saying, I I ate it, I devoured it. Some of you are like, why am I so empty? Why am I so hungry? Why am I so dissatisfied? Because God has prepared a feast for you in his word, and you are settling for other people's scraps. Oh, I'm just going to listen to a little bit of that, and I'm going to get second or third or fourth hand knowledge about what they said, and God wants to speak directly to you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you through his word. Don't settle for other people's scraps. Jeremiah says, eat this word, devour it, feast on it. And that leads to our second point today. How do we increase our passion for God's word? We get to know the God of the word. Some of you are like, well, duh. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? But for a lot of us, it's not like that. Here's the thing. When we get to know someone's heart and character, we are much more apt to hang on every word they say. I respect you more because I have observed your life. I remember when my wife Tiffany and I were first dating, and yes, she was gorgeous. She was. Say it again. She was beautiful. But you know what I did just as much? Is I observed her heart and her character and her personality and her joy, and her humor, and her character, and the way that she loved the hurting, and the broken, and the lost. I loved her heart. In fact, I was fascinated by her heart. I was curious, and I wanted to learn more, and I would have a little journal, and I would keep notes about what I was, there was like all about Tiffany journal, and I would just write it in there. Okay, cheesy, too bad. Uh, Hey, I put a ring on it, okay, so deal with it, all right? It worked, okay? Dudes, you taking notes, all right? And I just remember being so fascinated by that, and at some point, we lose that. At some point in our relationships, we lose that, and that's why every couple that I've ever done pre-marriage counseling with, I challenge them, and I say, when you get married, don't stop 
dating. Don't stop the pursuit. Don't stop being curious about each other. Don't stop being fascinated by each other's hearts. And at some point, we lose that in our relationship with God too. Maybe it's time to become curious about the heart of God again. Because I'm not just reading a book. We're not worshiping paper and words on a page. We're worshiping the God that already knows everything about you. And he wants you to know everything about him. So let's become fascinated by the word of God. Let's become curious about God again to become fascinated by his heart. And how do we do that? It's the word of God. And, and that can't happen once a week. I mean, I remember going back to Tiffany for a moment when we first started dating. You know, you get those butterflies in your stomach when you first start getting together. But like the way that we got to know each other wasn't like set an hour a week on Sunday morning, just for instance. It was bigger than that. We would call each other. I would call her. She would call me. I would text her, text me. A uh, little confession moment last week. You know that text, Ryan, uh, you up? Yeah, that was me. This is confession time. I did that. I did that. It's all good. We were dating, okay? She was the only one for me. We sent those texts. Here's, here's why. Because when you're developing a relationship with somebody, you can't program it. You can't program it. It's, it's, it's throughout the day. It's, it's throughout the night. Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 puts it this way. Happy are those whose delight is in the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. Parents, are you talking to your children about this on the way to school and back? On the way to grandma's house? Are you listening to God's word? Get, get the uh, Bible app. Listen to God's word. Have it breathe into your soul. When you're getting ready in the morning, listen to God's word. Talk about it around the dinner table. Day and night. Everybody say day and night. Day and night. And that means everything in between. Have it be on your mind and in your heart and on your lips. It's got to go beyond Sunday. Aren't you hungry to experience God for yourself? Don't you want more? I, in a strange way, this story came to my mind. A couple years ago, this little girl from our preschool here at the church came up to me. And she said, hey, Pastor John, do you want a Pez? You guys remember Pez candy? You remember that, right? Do you, I stole this from my daughter, so I haven't unwrapped it. But do you want a Pez? And I was like in a hurry, and I don't know why I was a dream stealer in that moment. But I said, oh, no, honey, thank you. But no, and I went on my way, and she was so disappointed. A couple hours later, later in the day, she comes back up to me. And, you know, you put it in the dispenser. My daughter's my little pony. You put it in the dispenser, and she comes up, and literally, she kind of sashays up to me, and she goes, Pastor John, now do you want a Pez? <laughs> right? It was like this whole different thing, right? It was like, well, yeah, of course, because it came from the dispenser, right? And you know what God says to you? Same thing. It's the same thing. Because some of you, some of you were like, hey, do you want to study God's word and read the Bible and, and do Bible study every day and feast on his word? And you're like, nah, sounds like too much work. I'm not that crazy. of a, I mean, that's for other people that will actually want to read the Bible every day. No, no, that's not for me. And then we listen to some YouTube sermons of our favorite preachers or podcasts or we come to Hope Elam on Sunday or Wednesday. And here it's a pastor. It's a preacher dispensing it. And we're like, now do you want God's word? And like, oh yeah, this is amazing. Just bring it on. It came from the dispenser, right? And God says, you can experience it on your own by yourself 24-7. God is for you. You don't have to wait for the dispenser, amen? 
don't hear me wrong. Come to worship. Hear the sermon. We believe God is speaking through us, but at the same time, God wants to speak to you during the week. He wants to have a relationship with you. Here's the thing. You are not going to get full if you only eat once a week. If we're going to eat and devour the word of God, don't have Sunday morning be the only time that you crack open that word. Amen? Consume it. Devour it. Meditate on it day and night. Intimacy and passion for the word of God cannot be microwaved. And some of you are trying to microwave it. Why don't, I, why don't I experience more the richness of God's word is because you're reading it for about 17 minutes a week when we ask you to open up your Bibles. Feast on it. You want to grow in this? Come on Wednesday nights. Come to Deeper Dive. All of that. Study with others. Small groups, men's groups, women's groups. We honor God's word above all else. Last but not least, the third key today is this. How do we develop a passion for God's word? We surrender our lives meaning we obey it. I told you we were getting to Luke 6. Now turn to Luke 6. All right? Go ahead and go to the next slide, Luke chapter 6. And Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. The same story is told. It's the Sermon on the Plain. It's a little bit flatter area. Theologians would say it's the same sermon. And at the end of that sermon, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Like a man, a person, the building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck and the house could not shake it because it was well built. In other words, we honor God's word by obeying God's word. And not in some heavy, burdensome, duty kind of way that we have enough respect for the word of God because we know the heartbeat of God, that he is for us and he wants us to have the best life possible. He loves you so much. He wants it to be the delight and the joy of your heart. God, I'm not gonna just consider your word as one more option. You know, I got a big decision to make. I'm struggling in my marriage or my finances. I'm gonna put a little poll out. On Twitter, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask everybody on Facebook what I should do. I'm just going to go to my friends, and then if I think about it, well, maybe I'll see what God has to say. We honor God's word by obeying God's word, by hanging on every word. What does this look like in our lives? We realize that maybe maturity for us as Christians is not just those who have memorized the most scripture, but those who love deeply, who serve wholeheartedly, who forgive freely. Maybe it's not about just consuming the word of God, but putting it into action by building a strong foundation. Because here's the thing. Some of us are educated beyond our obedience. Just want you to sit on that one for a second. I've listened to 200 sermons on YouTube, but I refuse to forgive that person that hurt me, and I'm bitter about it. But I've watched 200 sermons. I am a podcast junkie. 
but you refuse to let anybody inside and be vulnerable enough to let somebody disciple you and pour into you and challenge you and refine you. Oh, but I'm a podcast junkie. That's great. Let other people into your life. Maybe maturity and depth is not simply in quantity, but it is in the quality of your relationships, the work that you've done underneath the surface, the things that you've let go and letting Jesus into every single area of your life. Honor God's word by actually letting it change you. So back to where we started. What will be the greatest passion of your life? And I pray that it would be the name of Jesus Christ and his word above all else, just to put things in perspective for us in an American, Western culture when it comes to church. Heard a story a few weeks ago about some missionaries that are on the front lines of what God is doing in Afghanistan. If you know anything about Afghanistan, it is not friendly to Christians. In fact, if you are caught speaking the name of Jesus or with a Bible, it's immediate death. And the story goes that there's a group of missionaries there, a part of this missionary organization, and they're all living together in this little house. And late at night, when everybody else is asleep, one of the members of that group, they all huddle in the living room, one of the members of that group goes outside their camp and goes a couple miles, two miles outside the camp to a cave and crawls in that cave and takes away three or four rocks, and behind those rocks is the only copy of the Word of God that they have. And they put it inside of their jacket and they sneak back to camp because if they're seen, that's it. That's the end. Certain death. And they sneak back in the house and they're all gathered around a little candle and they put God's word out in the, in the middle and, and in the wee hours of the morning when nobody else is awake, they read God's word, they meditate on it, and they whisper God's promises to each other. Because they know that they're not going to make it and continue the mission and the ministry that God's given them without the power of God's word in their life every single day. And they whisper it to each other. What would it look like for us to treasure the word of God as if our lives depended on it? Because they do. Because they do. What what, what would it look like? And some of you are thinking, John, that's cute and that's great for missionaries, but that's not me. Like, this is Des Moines, Iowa in 2023. I mean, get real, right? Do you know that last Wednesday, a family came up and I met this family after our Wednesday night deeper dive Bible study. And they say, hey, we normally worship online, but we came tonight. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, where, where do you live in town? And they're like, Anamosa. They came two and a half hours to study God's word because they were doing it online and they wanted more. And they wanted more. And they came, they came and they said, I, we, we would come more often, but it's a five-hour round-trip drive. But they came and they're here because they're hungry and they're passionate for the word of God. What if the year of the Bible and this little campaign and this little all-church mission that we're doing wasn't just a cute little thing for some Christians that have the time? What if it was the all-consuming passion of our lives to know the God of the Word? Amen? What if this was true for all of us? 
That as a church, yes, we're going to serve the poor. Yes, we're going to feed the hungry. Yes, we're going to break down racial walls and barriers and work in the work of reconciliation in this city. Yes, we're going to worship God with passion. Yes, we're going to clothe the naked. Yes, we're going to serve those that are addicted in recovery. But let's do it because it's the overflow of our hearts that are exalting the name and the word of God above all else. Amen? Don't forget that. Don't forget that. And so I want to go back to where we started, all the way back to our, uh, our friend Nehemiah. <laughs> Remember when Nehemiah just stood up and read God's word and like spontaneous worship just started to break out? I just want to do that this morning. And I want you to respond however God wants you to respond But this was one of my favorite passages from my childhood, and I think it's the good news for us this morning. And I just want to read this, and I want to encourage you to respond just as if the worship team was coming out and they were just going to rock it out on a brand new worship song and you were filled up. I'm going to read the last part of Romans chapter 8, and if this doesn't get you excited, I don't know what's going to get you excited, but it gets me pumped up. And I'm just going to read this for you, and I want you to respond however that is. It's sitting and listening to it great. If that's if, if kneeling down, if it's lifting your hands in the air, if it's clapping, it's getting those tambourines going, whatever it is. I just want you to respond out of what God is doing in your heart, and then we're going to stand and we're going to worship through song together, but we're going to first worship through the word. Amen? And so I just want you to hear this and have, have it fall on fresh ears and fresh hearts. Paul says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Amen? Since he did not even spare his own son, but but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else, right? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or danger or threatened with death? No. No, despite all these things, we have overwhelming victory through Jesus who loves us, okay? And I am convinced that nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears today, or worries about tomorrow, nor the powers of hell, right? No power in the sky and on earth below. Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 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 Let's treasure the word of God as if our lives depended on it because they do. And then let's meditate on it and let's share it with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends so that the city of Des Moines and wherever you're worshiping from would be different. Let's share it with others as if their lives depended on it because they do. Amen. And let's point him to the one that is the way, the truth, and the life. Wherever you're at, let's stand together and let's worship together. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.